and welcome to You've Got to Read This, a podcast for those with a passion for reading. Each year, hundreds of thousands of books are published in the U.S. Millions are published worldwide. Join us as we navigate the world of books in hopes of introducing you to something new. I'm Michelle Dubois. And I'm Renee Seinfeld. And you're listening to You've Got to Read This. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to You've Got to Read This. Renee and I have been traveling and working and busy visiting friends and family since our last episode, but we regret that we've been away for so long. Rest assured, we are alive and well, and we've prepared a new episode for you. We'd hoped to have released this episode in time for Halloween, but just couldn't meet the deadline. But no matter, a good thriller can be read all year round. As per our usual format, we have five book recommendations in this episode. Out of the five horror-slash-thrillers, two are audiobooks and three are your traditional physical paper and ink novels. Renee, which book do you want to start us with? Yeah, so my first book pick today is entitled Schrader's Chord by author Scott Leeds. The story takes place in present-day Seattle and centers around a man in his early 30s named Charlie Remick. Charlie lives in New York City and works in the music industry signing newly discovered bands to a major record label. One night, while at an opening for a new band, Charlie gets a text from one of his sisters informing him that their father has died. He flies to Seattle, where he's originally from, and reunites with his twin sister and older sister to settle their father's affairs. At the reading of the will, Charlie finds out he has inherited his father's used record store in Seattle. The attorney also sets a box on the desk and tells Charlie he has inherited the contents of the case. In that case, Charlie and his sisters find four old record albums accompanied by a note from their father that reads, I told you they were real. Now for a little backstory, when Charlie and his sisters were young, their father sometimes told them spooky stories. One of those stories was about a mad music conductor named Ivan Schrader, who, bereft over the death of his wife, tried to find a way to bring her back from the dead. According to the legend, Ivan Schrader was eventually successful in that pursuit by playing an eerie musical chord. Schrader then imprinted one held musical tone onto each of four record albums. When played simultaneously on four separate record players, a gateway is opened to the land of the dead. So here's Charlie, who's just inherited these albums, and he needs to decide between the belief that this is absolutely ridiculous and throwing the records out, or playing the records to see if it's true. Meanwhile, the reader is introduced to the two employees who work at the record store Charlie just inherited, and they're absolutely delightful characters. While these employees begin going through Charlie's father's office at the store, they come upon some mysterious things about Charlie's dad. The reader is also introduced to a man who is desperately trying to get his hands on the record albums for his own purposes. I absolutely loved this book and enjoyed it for several reasons. It's a fresh and very inventive storyline, and the book is so perfectly paced. Every time I put it down, I couldn't wait to pick it back up again. The book has a wonderful cast of characters, and I enjoyed every single one of them. I enjoy horror novels that focus a lot on relationship dynamics, and this checked that box for me. The relationship dynamics between Charlie and his sisters and between the two record store employees were really genuine and heartwarming. 
Though this book falls under the horror genre, it's a really good mystery and a great book about family and grief. I do feel compelled to comment on the book cover. I feel like the cover doesn't quite match the book. I almost didn't read the book because the cover looked really scary with this menacing skull and record album. But you know, the adage is true. Don't judge a book by its cover. The book isn't super scary. In fact, there are a lot of comedic moments. The story feels similar to the 1980s movie American Werewolf in London and that it's both scary and funny. I just want to put that out there for people who might be put off by the cover like I initially was. On a final note, this would make a phenomenal movie. I hope it gets scooped up to be turned into a movie. It was that enjoyable. The book, again, is entitled Schrader's Chord. Schrader is spelled S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R. Chord is spelled C-H-O-R-D. This is a debut novel for author Scott Leeds, and what a fantastic debut it is. I hope there are a lot more books from him on the horizon. Scott Leeds is a white American author who lives in the Seattle, Washington area. His last name is spelled L-E-E-D-S. Schrader's Chord was published by Tor Nightfire and just came out in September of this year. My next book today is entitled Dead Silence by author S.A. Barnes. This book falls under the genre of space horror, which is a horror genre I'm not too familiar with, but I read the book jacket and found the storyline so intriguing, I picked it up and ended up enjoying it immensely. Now, for those of you out there who might be crinkling your noses at space horror, I have to say I initially cringed at the genre too and almost put the book down, but if you loved the movie Aliens from the 1980s, you'll love this book. The story takes place well into the future where space travel is a regular occurrence and a fairly mainstream thing. The protagonist in the story is a woman named Claire who is the team leader or captain of a small spaceship owned by a large corporation. Claire and her team are part of a repair crew that service communication beacons out in space. But this small crew of six or seven people is on their final assignment as their jobs are about to be replaced by artificial intelligence and robots. Claire is very disappointed that this is their final mission, as she really enjoys being in space. She likes the isolation and solitude, and she's not looking forward to going back home to Earth at all. Having said that, as they are about to turn the ship around to head back home, one of her crew hears a distress signal, and Claire makes the decision to respond to it. And so, they follow the distress signal, which takes them to the further edges of space where ships typically don't go, and they come upon a large spaceship floating dead in space. It turns out the ship is the Aurora, a massive luxury space liner similar to present-day cruise ships that was lost in space 20 years ago. The Aurora was the first luxury cruise ship of its kind and disappeared with its thousands of passengers on its inaugural journey. The passengers on that inaugural trip included celebrities, billionaires, media influencers, and famous athletes, and it was a huge global event when it originally disappeared. Now, similar to finding shipwrecks in the open sea, Claire and her team quickly realize they can stake claim to this ship and file for the rights of salvage, which would include all of the ship's contents. Selling all of these contents would make them very wealthy. So Claire and her team make the decision to go aboard the Aurora to gather proof that they discovered the ship first. As the book moves forward, the chapters are titled Then and Now. 
This is when the story gets very intriguing. The then chapters follow Claire and her team as they board and explore the cruise liner. The now chapters are Claire being interrogated by her company after her ship returns to Earth, for it turns out everyone on Claire's team ended up dead after they boarded the Aurora, and Claire is the sole survivor. Since Claire is the sole survivor, the version of events are only hers. A complicated backstory for Claire is slowly revealed as the story moves forward, which makes her a potentially unreliable narrator. You begin to wonder if she's mentally unstable or if she perhaps had a hand in her team's demise. This book is a page turner and it's a very satisfying mystery and thriller. The author does a fantastic job of building and maintaining tension as Claire's team boards and explores the ship. It is so eerie and haunting. At first when they board, there's no gravity, so imagine walking through an empty cruise ship with floating Steinway pianos and furniture, forks and plates. It's so creepy and so chilling. The reader follows several mysteries. What happened to the Aurora? What happened and where are the passengers? And what happened to Claire's team? And let me tell you, you don't find out until the very end. The whole time I kept wondering, did something supernatural happen on board? Was it an alien entity or was it mass hysteria? It is a nail-biter until the very end. The book, again, is entitled Dead Silence by author S.A. Barnes. So it's the initials S period, A period, and her last name is spelled B-A-R-N-E-S. S.A. Barnes is a white American author from the Chicago area. By day, she is a high school librarian, and in her spare time, she is the author of numerous novels across a wide array of genres. Her horror novels are under the nom de plume S.A. Barnes. Her YA romance and mystery novels are under the name Stacy Cade. The novel Dead Silence was published by Tor Nightfire in January of 2023. As an exciting FYI, S.A. Barnes has another space horror novel coming out in April of 2024. Something Wicked is brewing in the UK, where author Juno Dawson's HMRC series is set. All you witches and warlocks out there will be excited to get your hands on Dawson's second installment in the HMRC series, entitled The Shadow Cabinet. If you're not familiar with it, HMRC stands for Her Majesty's Royal Coven, which is also the title of book one in this series. If you want to preview that book, we encourage you to listen to our podcast episode number 16. This series, destined to be a trilogy, I believe, is adult magical fantasy. In the first book, we meet four witches who live seemingly ordinary lives, hiding their true identities from the general population. The four main characters were childhood friends who were inducted together into Her Majesty's Royal Coven, Britain's secret magical security force. Book one ends with a shocking cliffhanger that both thrills and kills. So right away, you know that book number two is going to start off with a bang. And boy, is this book a roller coaster ride of dark magic and deadly betrayals with a dusting of strong female collaboration and friendship. Without giving away too much, the Shadow Cabinet involves characters inhabiting other characters' bodies, witches unleashing powers they didn't know they possessed, and the secret identity of a beloved character from book one that threatens the whole coven. You cannot read The Shadow Cabinet without first reading Her Majesty's Royal Coven. You would be utterly lost. 
As far as sequels go, The Shadow Cabinet is just as exciting as the first, and then some. There are several big surprises in here that I did not see coming, and they were bloody good. If you're looking for magical fantasy set against a contemporary socio-political backdrop that challenges gender roles and sexual identity, then HMRC is your ticket. Her Majesty's Royal Coven Book 1 was published in July of 2022. Book 2, The Shadow Cabinet, was published by Harper Voyager in June of 2023. Author Juno Dawson is a white British author, a number one Sunday Times bestselling novelist, a screenwriter, a journalist, and an occasional actress and model. Dawson is also a tireless activist for transgender and LGBTQIA rights. Her name is spelled J-U-N-O, last name D-A-W-S-O-N. We're both reading this series and I, I cannot wait for the next book. Me too, and the title for the third installment is perfect. It's called Human Rights, spelled R-I-T-E-S. A little double entendre there. And you've got some other news, don't you? I do have some other news, maybe just as exciting as the third installment. Mm-hmm. Drum roll. Drum roll. There's a prequel being released in the summer of 2024. It's a novella entitled Queen Bee, just the initial B. And it's the origin story of Her Majesty's Royal Coven. It takes place in the 1500s at the time of King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. The story follows Lady Grace Fairfax, a witch who suspects that Anne Boleyn was betrayed by another witch in their coven, leading to Anne Boleyn's beheading, ordered by the king himself. I cannot wait for this summer to get my hands on the prequel, and I don't know yet when the third installment, Human Rights, is to be issued, but... I haven't heard, and I, I think we mentioned on a previous episode, this this is all being turned into a, a television series. That's right, and I believe the producers are the same uh, people that put out The Crown, so yeah, that's going to be pretty good. Very exciting. Our next book pick today is entitled Nestlings by author Nat Cassidy. The story takes place in present-day New York City and centers around a young couple and their daughter who is just shy of her first birthday. When the story begins, Anna and Reed, the husband and wife, are being shown an available apartment to rent on the 18th floor of a historic apartment building that overlooks Central Park. Anna and Reed both come from meager means, but they just won an apartment assistance lottery that would allow them to rent this apartment for a very affordable monthly rent in a building they would normally never be able to afford. Excuse me, this sounds like a setup. Right, right off the bat. It's too good to be true. (laughs) Now, though the apartment is gorgeous, Anna is extremely reluctant to take the apartment because she's paraplegic, is in a wheelchair, and she's afraid if there were ever an emergency, she couldn't easily get out of the building. Now, for a little backstory on this couple, Anna had a very difficult birth. While giving birth to her daughter, she developed a rare medical complication that left her paralyzed from the waist down. Mm. Prior to this, Anna was a very fit athletic woman who worked as a personal trainer. So in addition to dealing with challenges of being a new mother, she is also struggling with the grief of being wheelchair-bound. She's also privately struggling with some resentment at the loss of her mobility. Regarding the husband, Reed, in addition to his dealing with the stress of being a new parent, he has also been emotionally and physically caring 
for his wife, Anna, for the past year. So as a starting point for this story, they're both already physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausted. Now, just as they're about to reject this apartment due to the height of the building, Anna realizes this apartment might be the light at the end of a very long, difficult year, and she blurts out an acceptance of the apartment to the surprise delight of her husband, Reed. And so they move in. Anna is home with the baby all day while Reed is at work. Over time, Anna realizes she never hears or sees any of the neighbors. She's also a bit unsettled by the elevator operator whose face she can never quite fully see under the brim of his hat. The only other person she ever interacts with in the building is the concierge at the front desk, and he has this forced smile and creepy friendliness that just kind of unnerves her a little bit. Hmm. Now, as the book progresses, both Anna and Reed separately begin to uncover things going on in the building. Reed, for example, comes upon an old book he finds in a used bookstore about the history of their building, which includes a trail of disappearances and mysterious deaths over the course of the last hundred years. Reed becomes a little obsessed with learning more about the building and its tenants. For Anna, on occasion, she's been finding the window open in the baby's bedroom, which she's pretty sure she remembers closing and locking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> one day, Anna finally hears one of her neighbors in the next apartment. As she puts her ear to the wall, she hears both a baby and a grown woman crying. Excited and disturbed, Anna rolls herself in her wheelchair next door to investigate. As Anna and Reed have their own separate escalating encounters and discover what's going on in the building, they disagree about what should be done, and as parents, disagree about their daughter who's not quite been acting like herself. The Nestlings is a classic American horror novel with all of the perfect ingredients. It's set in New York City in a creepy historic building with a shady past and elusive tenants. Add two sleep-deprived parents under a great deal of stress to the mix, and you have the perfect horror novel. The book Nestlings is a fast, satisfying read with an emotional ending. And let me tell you, what really made this book come together for me was the afterword by the author. Writing this book um, was cathartic for Nat Cassidy. He writes in the afterword about what was going on for him the year he wrote the novel. It was the height of COVID. His mother died. His mother-in-law died. His wife had a serious medical issue. Mm. And all of that grief really gets conveyed in the novel. And he writes in the afterword, quote, I hope this book is scary. I hope this book is entertaining, but I also hope maybe its existence can also stand as a little confirmation for you and for me that bad years do end, Mm. end quote. On a final note, the author Nat Cassidy is Jewish, as were the protagonists in the novel, and I really appreciated this aspect of the book because you don't often come across Jewish protagonists in horror novels, and this was really, really refreshing. Does he say if it's a little autobiographical? No. he. I think the grief was. I think the... Being a new parent. The layers and... of stress and trying to manage all of that, I think, was autobiographical. But I just find it neat that he turned it into horror. Because on some level, it, it can't, it can't right? feel like horror. I'm sure when you are so bombarded with stress. But yeah, it was very, very creative. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. 
The book, again, is entitled Nestlings, spelled N-E-S-T-L-I-N-G-S, by author Nat Cassidy. Nat Cassidy is a white American author currently living in New York City. Nestlings is his second novel. The book was just released on October 31st of this year and is published by Tor Nightfire. Our fifth and final book today is a short story horror collection entitled A Sliver of Darkness by author C.J. Tudor. Typically, short story collections are like a box of chocolates. Some you like, some you don't. I enjoyed every single short story in this collection. What I find unique about this book is that the author writes a preface before every one of the 11 stories. She talks about what inspired the story or what was going on in her life when she wrote it. She also informs the reader that one of the short stories was originally intended to be a full novel, but it never really came to fruition as a full book. The short stories are suspenseful, compelling, entertaining, and many end with satisfying twists reminiscent of the old Twilight Zone television show. In the short story entitled End of the Liner, the reader follows a 75-year-old retired woman's daily routine on board a cruise ship. But this particular cruise ship hasn't docked anywhere in over 50 years. And it's a ship where if the passengers ask too many questions or make too many complaints, they might be sent for re-education or even disappear. In the short story, The Completion, a cocky young real estate agent gets the listing of a lifetime, but when he shows up to the appointment with the seller, he's exposed to a lot more than he bargained for. In the short story, Gloria, a hit woman for hire, crosses paths with someone in her own profession, but when a spark of compassion for his target is ignited in the hit woman, she decides to intervene. In the story Runaway Blues, an old man reflects back on life when, as a youth, he and his fiancée once came across a very talented blues singer who carried around a very mysterious hat box. If you're looking for some short stories with chilling endings, then I'd recommend A Sliver of Darkness by author C.J. Tudor. I'd highly recommend the audio version of the book as the author reads her own preface before each story. Each story is then read by different narrators who all have gorgeous voices. The book, again, is entitled A Sliver of Darkness by author C.J. Tudor. So the initial C, the initial J, and her last name is spelled T-U-D-O-R. C.J. Tudor is a white British author of five books. The Daily Mail has referred to her as Britain's Stephen King. A Sliver of Darkness was published by Penguin Random House in November of 2022. Thank you for listening to You've Got to Read This. All of the books we discussed today can be purchased on our bookshop page by clicking the link in notes. Make sure to check out as a guest when you make your purchase, and we will receive a portion of each sale that goes to the production of this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd appreciate it if you give us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 